Ah, welcome to today's summer edition heard right across regional Queensland and it's all thanks to the good folk at the Australian Mung Bean Association. The usual suspects are back. Scott Parkinson <laughs> uh, back from his escapade in China. How are you, mate? Yeah, going well. Just went overseas for some research for the show and it's good <laughs> to be back. Didn't get lost. I'm still here. <laughs> and, Nor did you start World War Three while you were there. That's a plus. <laughs> well, my favourite my favorite um, thing that I saw when I got back, because you obviously can't get Facebook in China. It's um, banned. Um, but I did see a photo Nick Mum put on about going to China and I, I saw Nick Backstrom write the moment that Australian and Chinese relations went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> we're still talking, we're still doing deals, things are still fine. And uh, Nick Backstrom, good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, Walter, good afternoon, Parker. Probably, boys, the biggest sports news of the week was that crushing victory. Uh, Australia over the top of India in the first ODI. Parker, I'll swing to you first. Um, didn't see that coming. No, I don't think many people did, particularly the Indian uh, side. <laughs> I think it was a real shock. Um, in Australia, I think I think in the Ashes, I think they've got a bit of confidence back. Um, mm. They dominated the Test Series against, what was it, Pakistan F and New Zealand Z grade. So um, I think their tails are up, and maybe it's the next start of a dominant Australian cricket side again. Aaron Finch, Nick, was he was pretty to watch. He was. It was a beautiful batting performance. He's a bit un- unfairly done by, I think, not getting man of the match. I thought he had mm. better better innings than um, Warner. Uh, perhaps the Indians were too confident going in, you know, overconfident going in. They thought, you know, at home the whole bit. But, uh, yeah, the Australians uh, were seeing like watermelons. And uh, my favourite headline was uh, still big questions over Marnus Lubbershane at number three. <laughs> <laughs> remember, it used to be uh, Shane Watson, Watto for number three. Um, <laughs> rugby league news, uh, 50-odd sleeps till game one. Uh, Parco, obviously you missed a bit of the news uh, being out of the country. What was the first couple of headlines that struck you? Well, the first one when I got back to Sydney Airport was Latrell Mitchell to the Rabbitohs, which which came as a bit of a surprise to me. I knew the Rabbitohs were interested, but I mean, they'd signed Joy Arrow for 2021, and I wasn't sure what their ideas were, signing another backline player. Um, so it's really interesting with the Rabbitohs. Because, I mean, they used to complain the Roosters used to steal their players. Well, they're doing exactly the same thing back. So it's an interesting signing. Um, I was hoping the Broncos would sign someone credible um, while I was away. That didn't happen, so that was disappointing, <laughs> but... Yeah, only a couple more sleeps and, um, yeah, we'll get started in talking more NRL. Nick, uh, rugby and the Queensland Reds had a dominant victory at Gladstone yesterday over Melbourne. They head to Dolby next week. Yeah, huge win, 57-5 if memory serves. And, um, yeah, that was, a, I mean, it's only a trial match, so, you know, people are trying new things, new teams, new arrangements, all those things. But that's a great start for the, uh, I think, a new era at the Reds. Uh, and Scott- isn't it great to see them take games into country areas? Like, they're, they're in Gladstone yesterday, they're going to Dolby, you know, next week. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, they're really it pushing is. this regional tour, the Queensland Reds, and hats off to them. I mean, Brisbane probably don't give them the support that they they probably deserve. I mean, the Broncos dominate most of that in the line. Um, so, yeah, they're going out to regional towns. I think the country people love it. Great segue into our first segment this week. Uh, Scott, you mentioned the Lions, and young Darcy Gardner joins us, Nick, for a chat. Yeah, Darcy, uh, he's from uh, Victoria originally, but he's played all his, his senior football with the Lions. So he's been there, probably got there in the sort of the nadir of the team, but um, he's certainly been there during the build and the great year they had in 2019 and looking forward to a great year in 2020. The bacon kid, Dan Russell, joins <laughs> us uh, from Townsville, Scott, to talk about the new stadium and how to access the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so important, particularly when you're travelling around the world, the Wi-Fi. And I saw, actually saw a photo of Dan Russell 
Um, he's one of the players to watch. I mean, they, the NRL starts coming out the players to watch for the, the upcoming season. The guy's got bigger pythons than Nick Backstrom's calf muscles. I tell you, <laughs> he is an impressive-looking unit. He will have a big year, Dan Russell. Uh, the king of Kingaroy, Carl Rackman, joins us to talk all things cricket, Nick. Yeah, it's great to chat with Carl. I mean, he's great, one of the great Queensland bowlers and an Australian bowler as well. Uh, loves, still loves his cricket and, uh, yeah, loves to talk about it. Loves a chat too. Our Outback profile this week, Scott, we head to Clermont. The queen of Clermont, uh, Emma Bell, um, talks to us about her career as a mature age jockey. And she's just an absolute star in the country racing circuit. I've had the privilege of watching her race a couple of times. And, you know, mature age country style, but even though, you know, we don't, she hasn't made the big, big meets, um, she's got a bright future and she's just doing outstanding work in the country racing circuit. In the second hour, we talked to a very interesting character, Australia's only female race caller, Nick, Victoria Shaw. I'll tell you what, this is an extended interview because we couldn't get her off the phone. No, <laughs> <laughs> no she was fun to talk to too. And uh, yeah, it was one of those things I'd never even thought about. I guess that's what they talk about, you know, unconscious sexism, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I didn't think there are. I never hear a female calling a race, but there she is. And uh, she too is frustrated by the lack of female, other female uh, race callers. And when uh, you said you couldn't get off the phone, it reminded me of a bull rider we spoke to. <laughs> One of your old sparring partners jo- joins us uh, to talk the Roma 7s coming up on the 1st of Feb. Uh, can you guess who that is, Parco? An old sparring partner. Jesus, too many to, to mention. I don't want to say it out loud on, on the radio. The one, the only, the great, Nick Cook. Oh, Nick Cook. monster. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, is he still playing? No, no, he's retired for the 17th time. I was going to say, the waiver form would have to be humongous for him to continue to play. Um, Maybe in the old 50s, wearing the golden bib, but yeah, you couldn't get a more passionate bloke to talk about country rugby union. Adrian Vowles' cup comes uh, up in at the end of February, Scott, and uh, we talked to Shawnee Radnich, a.k.a. Zorro, uh, a little bit about the history, and um, he's still... He's not going to take on Valsey at halftime in that 100-metre dash. <laughs> well, the money must have been there for him because he did offer to give him at least $30 to do it. Um, but Valsey was super confident. Isn't Adrian Valsey just one of the good blokes? And how good is it? How good would it be to have a cup named after you? Nick Baxter, if there's a cup named after you, what would be the event? <laughs> Extended reading. <laughs> one of my best, best classes at school. Free reading. I don't know how you judge oh. it, though. There you go. I don't and, know what this is, <laughs> The uh, increasingly popular segment that everyone gets around the wireless and listens to, Scott, is from the stands. And this week we go to racing fanatic, Broncos fan, and just a good all-round bloke, uh, Keith McMahon. Yeah, certainly a guy who uh, has his opinions, isn't afraid to express them, and uh, yeah, loves his sport, another one who loves the chat. We'll be back later on in the hour with those guests here on the Summer Edition, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Get amongst it. It's the Summer Edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. You can catch us on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG in hot country. Nick, uh, as we've been discussing over the past weeks, uh, the footy players were led deep into pre-season and uh, heading to AFL for this chat. Sure. Now, one of the big surprises of the AFL last year, I think, was the Brisbane Lions. Uh, People were expecting them to do okay or much better. They were on the way up. Suddenly they were in the finals. And uh, one of the men who played every game last year is our guest today. It's Darcy Gardner. G'day, Darcy. G'day, guys. How you going? Hey, good, mate. Uh, First of all, as a playing group, did it surprise you to see how far you actually got last year? 
Um, I don't think it surprised us. Obviously, um, we knew we were heading in the right direction. Mm. We probably probably didn't quite expect to finish um, as high as we did, um, but we certainly um, inside the club were expecting to improve on the on the two seasons beforehand. That's for sure. It certainly probably was a little bit of a disappointment to go out in straight sets as it was, but uh, look, it's certainly a good uh, stepping stone for 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially having the two home finals at the Gabba. Um, yeah, we did feel like we let ourselves and, and, and the fans that down a bit, but like I said, it's a great experience for um, a group of blokes that haven't really been in that position before, um, and we'll, we'll take plenty away from those games um, going forward, that's for sure. Is there any danger of um, a letdown in this season? Like, if you, Is there any sort of talk about that when you've gone so high uh, to sort of back that up? Um, oh, we've definitely, we've definitely mentioned it straight away. Probably sort of a post-season thing, just to more so the, uh, you know, don't rest on your laurels and, mm. and be, be content with the season we just had because we know it's very hard in the AFL to, to back up year to year. Um, but no, it's definitely at the forefront of the mind of the boys um, and you can tell that over the training and the pre-season the way that we've been going about it. Um, they're ready to go again. Mate, uh, let's have a look at, at your story, the Darcy Gardner story. Take us back to, to where it started, your love of football and, of course, your road to uh, Brisbane. Yeah, I, I guess it all started back uh, when I was uh, quite young, I guess, with uh, kick back in the day um, down in Queensland, Victoria. Um, so I played my junior footy down there and worked my way through the ranks to um, the Geelong Falcons in under 18. And, um, yeah, lucky enough, obviously, once I had done my time there to get picked up by Brisbane, um, at the end of 2013 in the in the draft, so um, and then yeah, obviously been, been here since. So it's yeah. often offered the argument. Um, obviously, you come from Victoria and, and you ended up in Brisbane. Was that your goal? Did you, did you want to go to Brisbane? Did you have a, a club in mind that you you would have preferred to end up with? Uh, at the time, obviously, it was more of a happy to happy to go anywhere. Would probably prefer to have stayed in Victoria, but yeah. um, looking back on it now, it's easy to say now. But yeah, I couldn't be happier. Um, that I've come up here. It's a great place and um, surrounded by a great, great bunch of people. So um, I'm very happy with, with how it all panned back with them back on it now. And as as you said, as it pans out, you you really could be at the start of something something great at the at the Brisbane Lions, um, building off off the back of last year's success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is an exciting time um, with the like I said, a great bunch of people, um, good players, and we've got good support around us to keep us grounded and, and keep us, you know, our, our mind on the task ahead and, and what's to come. Now, can you give us a little bit of an insight into um, AFL pre-season? Yeah, um, yeah hard work. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a bit of a slog, but I guess sort of as you, as you get a bit older, you, you know, it, it does get a little bit easier on the body and you're probably a little bit more conditioned, but um, no, it is, it's, it's a bit different. Obviously, you don't have to probably as much pressure as, as the season with the week-to-week and, and the results side of things. Um, so you can just sort of go go about your business, um, sort of I guess un, under the radar in a way, or just outside of the public eye. Um, but yeah, it is, it's hard work, but it's also yeah about you know developing the game plan, tweaking things, learning from mistakes that we made last year, and sort of improving I guess our weapons from the year before um, over those summer months. Now you've been with the Lions for some years. Now what what is your role as the club? Do you find yourself mentoring younger players, or uh, is there more to your role than just a player? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess, especially more so, probably uh, younger guys that come through uh, through the back line. Uh, you know, sit down and, and look at vision and that sort of thing with them. Um, I'm probably not the most vocal guy, so I sort of try and lead more so by actions and examples sure. out on the training track, um, and sort of try and set the standards for them. But 
um, yeah, there's definitely a little bit that goes behind the scenes. Um, with, like you said, mentoring and, and helping them learn learn the way we play and, and the structures and all that sort of thing. The 2020 season kicks off on March the 22nd year away to Hawthorne. How's the squad looking for this season? Have you got many ins and outs or any young guns to look forward to? Um, yeah, I guess we've, you know, we've, we've drafted uh, four new blokes, so um, they're all coming along quite well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them either get their opportunity early early as in round one or, or some somewhere throughout the season. Uh, but the squad, the squad is pretty healthy and fit um, at this point in time. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll start that for round one. Um, and it'll, you know, the team for, for round one now is quite unknown because it's pretty yeah. competitive balance, and there's a, a fair few blokes putting their hands up in the mix. So um, yeah, it's what you, what you want though uh, as a club. Now, uh, outside of the AFL, you have other interests, of course. See, so you're doing all right in the trots. Yeah, uh, got a got a couple of trotters down in Victoria with um, Louis Taylor. Um, and the Lee family or the Lee stable so we've got one that's going on right now which is uh, a bit of fun outside of footy and good to follow um, yeah it's just an expensive hobby in the end really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah if they don't yeah. go too well it can be but yeah uh, fingers crossed this one goes alright obviously racing uh, must be in your blood uh, yeah sort of I guess uh, yeah I started following it for a little bit there and then just got that connection with the harness side of things through through Louis. Uh, like I said, when I spent a fair bit of time with him up here, lived with him up here, so um, yeah, definitely enjoy that side of thing and getting out to to see the the Lee's farm and have a look at the horses and, and a bit of fun. So no, it's good. All right, Darcy. Just, uh, just one more thing before we go, we'd like to ask our guest. Uh, this being the summer edition, at your ideal barbecue, what would you be throwing on the uh, barbecue? To be cooking up three top things. Uh, uh, my first one would be lamb chops. Oh, nice. uh, butcher and Brisbane, I go to all the time. Oh, it's nothing like finding a good butcher, is there? It's fantastic. Nah, <laughs> nah, the local. Um, so, uh, what, what was that? Just, just the one, or do you oh, want three? Three, two more, three. 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 Oh, the next would be the steak from that same butcher. Feed <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I feel> <laughs> the man meat. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the third would be his lamb and garlic sausage. <laughs> Very good. Does this, Bush have, does this Bush have a, Does this Bush have a name? We might as well give him a free plug. <laughs> Yeah, we'll give him a call. Yeah, Karina Quality Meats in Karina Quality Meats. I'll be down <laughs> that way uh, in February. I might have to take a visit. Hey, Darcy Gardner, thanks very much uh, for your time and contribution to the summer edition and all the best for the upcoming 2020 AFL season. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. It's the summer edition, all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Back with the summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network, 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Time to talk NRL and uh, up into Cowboys territory in Townsville. Dan Russell joins us. Uh, good afternoon, mate. Afternoon. How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Now, I've got before we get into talking about NRL, I've got a testimonial here. It's uh, from one of your ex-cricketing partners. He says, uh, Lucky D. Russell chose rugby league path. I used to get bored opening the batting with him. Kobe O'Brien. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Mate, you used to like a bit of cricket in your younger days. You said you are pretty handy. Oh, yeah, I went all right, mate, I suppose. <laughs> 2020 no, might not have been your game. <laughs> no, I don't think so, mate. I was in the long haul, I think. <laughs> we need more of you these days, gee whiz. Oh, yeah. Mate, uh, no, it's all good. up in Townsville there uh, last week and uh, driving around, the new stadium looks pretty impressive. Uh, how are things coming along there? Have you had a good look at it? Yeah, we do. Uh, I've had a tour through there um, a few months ago now, but yeah, mate, uh, 
as everyone's saying, it looks pretty flash. Um, yeah, all the boys are pretty excited, mate. Um, I think we should start training there. I think a couple of weeks out before the trials, so that'll be a, be a good look, mate. But yeah, no, excited, mate. We can't wait to get out there. So, Dan, this is Nick. Obviously, you've got a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of expectations going into the season, as any NRL team would. Do you feel extra pressure trying to live up to your stadium now? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think, mate, it's probably a good thing. We obviously haven't gone that great last two seasons, and a lot of people have been saying that the new stadium's going to give us that boost. So I think, which it will, and I know we'll start off well, mate, and I think it's going to be a big year for us. But, yeah, like, we're going to have to um, play well, which I know we will. Um, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a good head start for us playing that new stadium. A little bit disappointing they didn't let you open the stadium. They've let Elton John open it. <laughs> All jokes aside, mate, um, you had your little break over Christmas, um, back into a pretty hectic pre-season now. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, good little break, um, which is good. They gave me a couple of weeks off on that rep stuff. Um, but, yeah, you know, after those couple of weeks are up, it's pretty much straight back into it. But a lot more footy stuff now, which is good. Um, not just running those lines now. But, sure, it's good to see a bit more ball, mate. So it's mostly team teamwork now, obviously, leading up into the trials. We had a chat to Benny Condon before Christmas as well. Mate, is he as big as he looks on those videos? Yeah, he's a monster, mate. He's a big... <laughs> He's a big lad. He's only young too, so he'll be handy, mate. After you know a bit of experience in the, the top grade now. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a good player, mate. And he'll be a good talent in the next couple of years. I, I, Maybe the Cowboys should try and introduce the line out back to rugby league. Oh, watch his 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 ball handling's amazing as well. Yeah, mate, he's a good talent. Like I said, yeah, he'd be handy in the line out, mate. He's a monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, he's a good talent, mate. Now the. There is a big buzz around the Cowboys this year, not only a new stadium, but obviously the marquee signing of uh, one Valentine Holmes. Have you had much to do with him yet? Yeah, well, we um, do obviously a fair bit of training against the NC Charlie, mate, and he's, he's bloody hard to handle at training. So <laughs> he's, um, he's good to watch. He's just so skillful and so quick, mate, and I can't, yeah, I can't wait to watch him out there. You know, in the season, I think it's going to be outstanding. We saw when Jared Hayne um, came back from from American football. You know, the body shape changes, and and you use different skill types. Does he look like he's back on track? I mean, does he does he look where he needs to be to, for round one of the NRL? Yeah, mate. He didn't look out of touch that first session. To be honest, um, <laughs> he's a, yeah, he, he's just such a freak of nature. Um, you know, everyone assumed his fitness would be you know down and that, but mm. mate, yeah, it looked like he'd never left. Really, he's a yeah, he's, he's great to watch a train, and so it's going to be great to watch him in the games. How does how does your 2020 look? Do you, uh, where will you start your season? Um, yeah, I've been training, you know, a couple next in line, mate. So I think I'll definitely start off in the Q Cup. Um, yep. But yeah, mate, my goal is definitely to put on that jersey this year and um, move in the top 30 is going to be a big chance. So I've got to, um, yeah, keep injury free, mate, and um, yeah, play well at Q Cup and put pressure on those boys that are playing each week for the cows. Is there many much other new blood around the uh, squad this year? Um, yeah, there's a few, mate, in and out. Um, obviously, Eastman Mask from Tigers um, is come, from, yeah, from Tigers, like I said, um, and a couple of forwards, mate. Obviously, from Matt Scott and um, Scotty Bolton retiring, so it's a bit of blood in there, mate. New blood, but um, not too much, which is good, which will be handy. Um, but yeah, like I said, good depth, which is going to you know, keep everyone on, you know, in that run on team, you know, they've got to be on song, I suppose, every week. Dan Russell, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and uh, contribution to the summer edition. And uh, I'll try to catch up before the season starts. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, mate. It's the summer edition. Thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association.
Back with the summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association, heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Nick Backstrom, time to talk cricket. Mate, and we've got one of the uh, champions from Queensland and Australian champion, Carl Rackerman, on the line. G'day, Carl. Uh, down uh, Kingaroy Way, had any rain? There's been some rain around, not everywhere. Kingaroy last night, well, sorry, Thursday night, uh, got a good fall of rain. And, uh, well, hopefully there's rain everywhere over the next week, isn't there? Well, so say. this is what we're <laughs> looking for. And, and you talk about the Mung Bean Association. It's too, there's not a peanut in the ground in the South Burnet, but... Yep. It's not too late for mung beans, so <laughs> there could be quite a few mung beans getting planted. This, yeah, well, that, that'll be good news and hopefully keeps the sponsorship going next <laughs> summer as well. But um, right. they often yeah. say they reckon they should send a SADA to the Bureau of Meteorology because they don't get it often right through the West here. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, uh, big news during the week, and it would have been music to your ears, uh, seeing uh, Pat Cummins uh, named uh, International Test player. Test player of the Year. And, and look, Pat, uh, came on the scene as a 19-year-old with a bang and, and uh, struggled with injuries, but he's back with a vengeance, and um, he heads at what is one of the great Australian bowling lineups. Well, it's a terrific lineup, but Pat Cummins in the last 12 months has just been superb, hasn't he, And in all conditions, uh, and just keeps taking wickets, uh, just totally reliable. Gee whiz, 59 wickets at 20, I think, uh, for the calendar year. So Unbelievable. Just a phenomenal performance, and you, you'd think when he had all those injury problems and now he, he doesn't look like it. He just runs in all day, every day, and he's got so much confidence in his body now physically, and and uh, I don't know about the rest side of things. He, he just keeps playing every game, so uh, and there's no stopping him. It, it's just terrific, and he must be so pleased It's because uh, he went through a lot of hard times. So he's on deck now, and he's making every post a winner. Now, Carl, uh, I suppose you probably would have been like a lot of other Aussies waking up Wednesday morning, and <laughs> Australia in the box seat when I went to bed about midnight, um, they looked like they were probably going to win, but to, to win with 12 overs to spare by 10 wickets, that was a, a crushing win at Wankiti Stadium there in Mumbai over the Indians. A, a crushing win, gee whiz. But look, um, hundreds to both openers, um, to Aaron Finch and David Warner, uh, hundreds not out, by the way. None for we got the runs, didn't we? Chasing that two fifty-five, uh, pretty good wicket, I think, and uh, that that helped. But to do that, it's it's actually the second time that a touring team has has uh, beaten India and not lost a wicket in a one day wow. in in India. So it's happened once before. This is the second time. Uh, it's not much fun being in a fielding team, I wouldn't think. I, I've never experienced it myself, but uh, it'd be a grisly experience, wouldn't it? None for not a bowl and not a run out. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be very pretty. But uh, look, the Australian team, uh, at test level, we're playing so confidently. And, and now at one day level, and uh, to beat India in India mm. uh, so comprehensively is it's stunning, really. And it's just... Uh, shows, I think, the development within the dressing room. And I know he's having this tour off, but uh, a lot of credit to Justin Langer. Uh, he's just done a superb job since taking over things in pretty difficult circumstances post the episodes in South Africa. So um, increasingly, we've got a lot to be proud of with this Australian cricket team as we go forward. For sure. Now, Carl, you, you're a bowler, of course. Are you ever in that situation where the batsmen just seeing them like watermelons? What do you do then as a bowler? 
long no balls. <laughs> uh, hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like praying for rain sometimes when you're in that situation. But uh, look, it's part of the game. Sometimes, and good players they they get set and they get hard to get out. You, you've got to keep in your mind that uh, you've got to have an idea of how you might get them out and keep working towards that. Uh, if you get to the point of saying, well, I can't get this guy out, I'll I'll just bowl tight and keep the runs down, well, you, you may as well be a bowling machine. You may right. as well be somewhere else mm-hmm. with your feet up watching instead of <laughs> playing. You've, you've got to continue to have some idea of something that might get a breakthrough and, uh, uh, and, and work towards it. And sometimes... But with an old ball on a flat wicket, there's not a lot going for you, but you keep trying, and whether it's a change of pace or throwing out a sucker wide ball or mm-hmm. um, a slow bounce, a fast bounce or something, you've got to keep trying something, but you get those days where nothing happens, it doesn't go your way, and it's all for the batsman, and that's part of the game. Cal, we're getting into the pointy end of the long BBL season. It seems to have been going for quite some time now. But the Brisbane Heat, they're travelling sweetly. They're inside the five. A.B. de Villiers, he looked a class above the other day in his 40. Matt Renshaw is playing some good cricket. And uh, Chris Lynn, sometimes a bit of rocks and diamonds with Linny, but at the top order looks strong there. And they are a real force going into the finals. Well, you know, uh, to have A.B. de Villiers, uh, as good a player as there is in the world, and... And he just adds that bit of composure to the middle order. And uh, the other positive on the back of that, which uh, and he'll benefit a lot, is Matt Renshaw. He just seems to be steadily improving. And um, he's just bringing more to the table all the time, I think, Renshaw. So um, Banton showed a few good innings, didn't he, when he was with us? Um, And certainly set the crowd alight on a number of occasions there. But he's gone, so we... He's been replaced by De Villiers, but um, really, uh, I think I'd have De Villiers on the side. Somebody who is reliably going to get the job done after, well, on the back of a good start or if you have a bad one. So mm. I think the Heat um, are looking increasingly good coming towards the business end of the season, and it's looking pretty exciting. Now, women's cricket, of course, has got much more interest over the last couple of years, and the Queensland women cricket have got a couple of games coming up against the ACT next week. Next uh, week, they play in Canberra, a doubleheader, uh, play the ACT and, and table stoppers. Uh, Queensland have shown they can beat them well, so two wins next week, I think, might leapfrog Queensland to the top table. But a big week for the girls there uh, down in Canberra next week. Uh, Carl, away from cricket, uh, your business uh, has a, a long-running association with the Resonate Network. How are things travelling down there in Kingaroy? Well, we're cheering on this rain, aren't we? Everyone is. <laughs> we uh, want to see more of it yet. But, uh, look, it's been difficult times for everybody in, in agriculture, whether you're, whether you're on a property or if you're selling farm machinery. Uh, but one thing we have been selling quite a bit of is the feed mixes, but a couple of fertiliser spreaders, distillers have gone to different areas and uh, one or two other things, but uh, feed mixes have been our biggest seller in the last year and uh, we've got more coming in and they're sort of pre-sold. So I suppose that's that's just part and parcel of these dry times that uh, people are looking to um, do another way, find another way of keeping their herds going when you when you run out of grass. So uh, our, our begin feed mixes 
uh, proving pretty good uh, pieces of gear, and that's that's what's been probably the biggest thing we've been doing in the last 12 months. Uh, best contact number for uh, anyone interested in farm machinery or feed mixes or, or whatever you have to offer, Carl? Yeah, in, in, we're in Kingaroy, uh, 416-22100 is the phone number, so yeah, if you want to talk about something, give us a ring, please. Even cricket. Thanks very much for your time and contribution to the summer edition. Happy to talk cricket as well. That's right. <laughs> it's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resident Network. You can catch us on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, 4SB and Hot Country. Time to profile one of our outback Athletes, Nick. <laughs> yes, now I know this is what we'd call a friend of the show for our Saturday morning sports show that goes out on uh, 4LG of a morning. Uh, yep. But uh, fantastic uh, career and uh, always great to talk to. Country, uh, current country apprentice of the year, also known as the Queen of Clermont, Emma Bell. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you going? Good, thanks for your time. And uh, talking about Clermont, you've got some really good uh, sports stars up there at the moment, even uh, especially in the bull riding ranks. Yeah, for sure. Um, Aaron Clyre, I think, is the current Australian champion. And I think um, there's a the rookie one. I can't remember his name at the moment. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think they've gone over to America to represent Australia. So, yeah, got a few people in Claremont. Even in the <laughs> early days when uh, Nick and I was uh, heading over and playing for the, um, the Highlands, there was always a good contingent of... Uh, Clermont Cricketers. Oh, right. Know, is it Clermont Cricket side still going, Emma? Uh, not sure. I know um, my boyfriend that comes to the races with me all the time, Alex, he is playing cricket tomorrow, but I'm unsure exactly what part of, um, yeah, that's about. I think it's a football versus footballers side <laughs> uh, or something. I remember the old days when you used to don the whites on and park the car at the back of the, the pub and spend the afternoon at the TAB. Yeah, it'll be interesting tomorrow, no doubt. (laughs) Emma, obviously uh, racing in your blood from a young age with your mother a trainer and uh, your dad Billy a jockey, uh, it all would have started from a young age? Yeah, for sure. As you said, I grew up with racing. Um, Mum was a jockey for a while, dad was a jockey for a long time, Um, then mum went into training racehorses, obviously, and Julie Bell up in Townsville trains racehorses, Glenda Bell, obviously, in Emerald. Um, so most of the family's into it. So from yeah, young age, I did want to be a jockey. But uh, it was put on the back burner for some time. Obviously, you didn't um, take out your license till 2017. Um, what did you do in the early days after school? Yeah, well, my parents and pretty much everyone that was in racing tried to talk me out of <laughs> becoming a jockey. <laughs> um, obviously, I am quite tall, so... Obviously, you, the taller you are, the harder you struggle with weight, normally. Mm, yeah. um, but if anyone's ever seen me, I'm quite a tall, skinny person, so <laughs> I'm not too bad with my weight. <laughs> um, but yeah, they tried to talk me out of racing, so I went away to uni, and I was originally going to be a high school PE teacher, and then they talked me into majoring in occupational health and safety, Yep. and I ended up in the mines for seven years as a health and safety advisor. So uh, after that, obviously, tell us a bit about your path uh, on the road to being an apprentice. Yeah, so pretty much I decided, um, yeah, as you said, I think I was about 27, and I decided that, you know, it's now or never, I want to give this a go. I want to, you know, ride races in the bush. So 
let him do it. So pretty much rang up Pat Duff because it's just too hard up here um, to get your trials and jump outs going. Yep. Um, so I went down to Deegan for six months, worked for Pat, and then got my licence, got my trials up, and he gave me my first race ride at Esk. Oh, very good. In March 2017, and on a maiden horse called Lord Darius. I'll never forget and it. And <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget it. I don't think they will either. It was uh, all the owners. Um, it was owned by Pat and his son and a couple of others, and oh, that was Lord Darius's one and only race he ever won. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's right. You did, did do your first ride for your first win, and uh, then you headed home, and um, you've been uh, set up camp uh, at Claremont since? Yeah, just headed straight home after that, and pretty much um, when I come back, Emerald was my first meeting that I raced at, and Dennis O'Brien was the first one to call me, actually, <laughs> and gave me a couple of rides in Emerald, and yeah, I ended up winning on Sea City for him, and rode for um, someone else from Rocky, I can't remember, the horse was called Nellamoth, and she ended up winning too, so it was a good second day as well. Now, you, you did get off to a cracking start, but it, it wasn't um, due to your lack of work. You were travelling uh, all over the place. Um, did, you, did you still enjoying it now, you know, with, with all the travel and et cetera? And it, it is harder to get rides when you lose the four and the three kilo claim as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's the thing with apprentices too. Once, as you said, you run out from your four kilo to your three kilo two kilo, one and a half, and now I've got nothing in the bush anymore. So I was a bit worried um, if I would still, you know, get put on some good horses, but luckily the trainers have stuck by me and I've still been getting good rides, so I'm lucky in that sense. Yeah, the end still of last... have three yep, kilos sorry. at the provincials. Now, no, the, you're right. end of last year, you were named uh, the Apprentice of the Year. Does that help in uh, you know, going into the future and other trainers or other owners looking at you? Um, I'm not sure. I don't really think so. It might. <laughs> but as everyone knows, racing is a bit of a funny game. Sure. I think everyone has, you know, their own favourites and everyone seems to really stick with who they know kind of thing. Right, so yeah. it is hard to break in with other stables because, um, especially at the provincial areas, because we've got those brizzy jockeys like Nathan Day and Chris Whiteley, Brad Pengelly. They fly out to Rocky and Mackay and Townsville all the time. So, mm. like, you know, an apprentice coming up against riders like that, it's extremely hard to get rides. And I uh, saw you popped up at the Sunny Coast uh, the other day. Um, was that an experience? <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve Field, he rang me from the Gold Coast with a little mare, and he just said, oh, I've never met him actually before in my life. And he said, <laughs> oh, I saw you ride up around Rocky, um, and you got three kilos. Um, would you like to ride my mare? Well, he actually wanted me to ride her in Rocky, and then he rang me back and said, oh, do you want to come to the Sunshine Coast? And I said, oh, uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, that was amazing. The track down there is beautiful, as you would imagine. Yep. And, yeah, it was just great to ride with those Brisbane riders, and, yeah, it was a good experience. The mare went well, and she only ended up getting beat, I think, about two lengths. So, yeah, it was a good day. Right. Now, um, how long, I mean, we've been talking to the ballads up here and uh, obviously the old man's still going. Could you, how far ahead can you plan a career as a jockey in terms of longevity? <laughs> Probably next week. <laughs> 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 
Um, yeah, I think it's hard. That's mm. a good question, really. <laughs> um, yeah, some jockeys, as you know, can go ride until they're 50, 60 years old, mm. but there's not very many that have careers that long at all. Yeah, sure. Um, it is, uh, as I said, I don't struggle with my weight, so that side of things I'm okay with. I think if you were to be struggling with your weight and then plus the travel and, you know, you have to be fit, obviously, mm. then I think that definitely shortens a lot of people's careers up. Um, but, yeah, like I said, at the moment, I'm still enjoying it. Um, my weight's good, so I'll be doing it for as long as I can or, yeah, as long as, yeah, I'm still enjoying it and keen to win. Now, Emma... You've got a really good support network around you as well. Obviously, your partner, Alex, he travels out west here to a fair few of the meetings and your mum and your dad. Now, I did, when you rode uh, winner there at Junda um, for Charlie Prow, I heard your old man say, you know, good ride, Emma. Is he your harshest critic as well? Um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Not too bad. Um, mum and dad, they support me as you obviously no they're pretty they're pretty good to work for <laughs> yeah um i don't get in trouble too much <laughs> <laughs> um couple of things obviously and obviously working for your mother you could imagine how that is some days <laughs> but um i think we yeah we've gone all right for the last couple of years so <laughs> i think if you know you learn to respect other people <laughs> and yeah. hold your tongue sometimes because it is a hard industry you know sometimes the race doesn't go as you want and you know yeah. how much a trainer's put into the horse they've put so much time and effort and money and work into the horse and then you get out in a race and it unfolds not the way you would like mm. and you've just got to cop that <laughs> sure uh do you have and any sense move sorry, on. yeah do you have any sense of uh younger female riders uh, looking to you as a role model is there any yeah do you, do you, do you know of any uh do you talk to young female riders who are keen to follow in your footsteps, as it were? Um, not really. I ride with, obviously, a lot of the apprentices around mm. the area, and we're all, yeah, good mates. We all help help each other out and whatnot. And the senior jockeys, like, more so to me, they've been yeah. really good as well. Um, like I said, riding with Chris Whiteley and Brad Pangeli and everyone like that at the provincials, they give you tips on how to improve so, and even, yeah, anywhere you go, everyone's just been really supportive, so it's good. You finished right. 20, uh, 2019 with a bang riding four at your hometown meeting in Clermont, <laughs> and it had a really good end to the year. It's 2020, uh, how are the prospects looking? Um, do you have a plan in place where you're heading first up? I think, well, I'm going to Rocky next week, and then I think Emerald will probably be the first bush meeting for the year. Yep. And then... I'll be definitely coming out west again. Good to hear. Emma Bell, yes. thanks very much for your time and an insight onto your career and uh, all the best for 2020. And uh, no doubt we'll catch up in the coming weeks on 4LG. No worries. Thank you very much. Thanks, Emma. It's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland. Back with the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resident Network. You can catch us on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And something very close to our heart, obviously, Nick, we're in the broadcasting and sports broadcasting and a 
and one of the great guests uh, we've got, a unique guest, mm. Australia's only current women woman race caller, Nick. Yes, I didn't realise until you told me that. I went, yeah, I've never heard a female race caller before, and um, I'm sure Vic will have an a, a opinion on that. Victoria Shaw <laughs> joins us from Melbourne. First of all, uh, how's the sky down there at the moment? We've heard plenty of conjecture about the smoke around. Andrew, Nick, lovely to be with you and everyone in regional Queensland. Hope you're all well. Yes, the smoke, it has dissipated today. The last couple of days have been uh, less than pleasant. And we've had a number of days last week. It was just awful. But uh, look, you know, in suburban Melbourne or in the city itself, we're four and a half, nearly five hours from all of these uh, terrible, disastrous fires. So uh, we've got no reason to whinge. But... uh, yeah, there's plenty of asthma sprays out and people walking yeah. around with masks, particularly if they're mm. working outside all day. Isn't it amazing, though, like, um, talk about the resilience of our, our country and, you know, such a large portion of it um, struck by drought, then we have the fires, then we have floods, you know, it never seems to be an end to it. No, and uh, I think working in racing too, it's, uh, albeit I will drop in, drop out of from, you know, living a suburban lifestyle, but going into sort of rural areas, it does give you a better appreciation for what's going on in our wider landscape, and, and indeed the environment is such a big part of the health of our racing, so... Uh, we just hope that the situation improves and that certainly governments get on board and step up to do what's required because this is just a horrendous situation. Yeah, Victoria, there is a lot of uh, women in the, in the racing media. Um, but, yeah, it is uh, very unique being the only lady race caller. Tell us a bit about how you cut your teeth and, and what got you started in the racing industry. Andrew, there are a lot of women, particularly now with, uh, you know, the Me Too movement sort of... Uh, heralding a lot of opportunities for women and perhaps trying to break down a lot of barriers, which it has. However, still to this day, I am dismayed as to how many women prefer to sort of still skirt around the sidelines, so to speak, in sporting media. Um, and certainly I'm not the first woman in Australia to get up and call racing events. There was a lady in Queensland, I think, over 20 years ago who was calling quite well, and we've had a number of women uh, call trials, but certainly I've been the only one to push it this far. And ideally, I would love others to come on board that would, uh, I think, present a better working opportunity for all of us going forward. Originally, my interest lie in radio broadcasting. And um, I remember going down to 3TR in Sorelgan in Gippsland and sitting down and there was a picture of Bill Collins on the wall, um, the late Melbourne great broadcaster. And it just struck me, that's live radio at its best. Um, I've always had an eye on racing, you know, not died in the wool, so to speak. I'd have a, a lazy punt or go to the races with friends and enjoy watching telecasts, etc. But uh, it just struck me, there's no take to, and, and tuning into race broadcasts, the immediacy and the excitement that a lot of the men portrayed. And I think also when you listen to great broadcasts such as Melbourne Cups or, or big events from Europe, um, like the Cheltenham Gold Cup, when you hear race callers settle in the run, so to speak, when they've still got, you know, another 2,800 metres to go, and you'll hear him just drop down the pace as the animals start to relax in their run, and then his tempo increases, perhaps, say, you know, five, 600 out when they're starting to uh, eye off the home turn, and then heads turning for home, and the, the lift and the rise, the rise in the occasion also, and the rise in the tempo in the broadcaster's voice. That excitement really just grabbed my attention. It's something I absolutely love. And um, now you've, you've progressed on and you're doing a fair bit of calling across all codes, but I did uh, pose a question to you off air. One of the toughest 
calling events, and, and I find it uh, up at McKinlay was hard when the horses come around 600 metres out and you're catching them, uh, trying to line them up. But greyhound racing up the straight, the fastest sport on four legs, 300 metres up the hillsville straight. How do you do it? <laughs> Uh, it's not easy, and of course, in <laughs> Queensland, you've got the uh, wonderful grass track at Capalabar as well with the drag lure, which is fantastic viewing. Um, it's, uh, look, to start with, I have to be honest, the first time I stood at Hillsville alongside James Vandermatt, I looked at the Hillsville uh, 300 metre shoot and I just went, can we do that again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just stood there in utter disbelief. The head-on, to start with, is frightening. There's no other yep. way to describe it. The pace that they're hitting as soon as the lid releases and they fly out of the boxes, my God. <laughs> but um, there's actually there's one aspect of greyhound racing you forgot to mention there. It's also a contact sport. Yes. <laughs> you see the dogs <laughs> bouncing off one another and doing all kinds of crazy things. Um, it's also a fantastic sport too, I have to add. I, I found it utterly addictive. But <laughs> look, it's, yeah, it's... It's years and years of practice. I'm only on air with James or Rob Tester at Sandown Park um, once and twice a week. I still work in another capacity uh, part-time in a secretarial role, but uh, I'm calling there a couple of times a week. And for those guys to get to the level that they have, I mean, they've been calling, you know, four and five meetings a week for, for years on end. And it is simply an element of repetition, and the more you do, the better the better you'll get. And it's in recent times. And I would like to take this opportunity to say a very special thank you to um, Rob Tester and James Vandermatt. Their their coaching and their mentorship has been just phenomenal. Um, and then, of course, we've had the radio station in Melbourne, uh, RSN or Sport 927, that takes the relay right around Australia. And of course, Sky Channel have been uh, have come on board and have been exceptionally helpful as well. And they all know how difficult this. This is, but equally, I think they're quite happy. The fact there's not something that I'm willing to let go. And um, Victoria Greyhound Racing, it's been through its dark days in the in the past five to ten years with the certain exposés, etc. But it's really seemingly turned the corner. Um, the prize money's good. The feature races, the the movement of dogs, it's easy to travel them now, and. It even got some free-to-wear exposure earlier, uh, late last year. Uh, it's taking steps in the right direction. It is taking steps in the right d- direction, and there's no denial that it's dark days. My God, there were some utterly just horrendous activities that uh, most uh, decent people would look at and just go, you're kidding, why on earth would you engage in that? Um, I can only speak about my state, um, of course, the stewards down here and Greyhound Racing Victoria Integrity with their staff have been phenomenal. Um, and when you watch them at work and what they do, and, and most importantly, their respect and love of the animal, um, that's impressive. Mm. And I think in many respects, Greyhound Racing has actually led the way with animal welfare across uh, various codes. And, and each state will address this differently because, of course, there are different weather considerations for our various states around Australia, being such a you know a varied nation in terms of weather patterns and temperatures that we encounter. Um, I know harness racing Victoria down here were exceptional in uh, emitting the scratching fee due to temperatures here with horses great. to start with. Um, then racing Victoria followed. Harness racing Victoria were the first to do that in this state. And then, of course, uh, with greyhound racing down here now, it's illegal for you to be taking uh, greyhounds around to race meetings or trials um, in uh, trailers that aren't air-conditioned as well. Mm. Um, The movement of race meetings here that is starting, and perhaps a little bit ridiculously early for some of the punters, 
But at the end of the day, it is about the welfare of the animals. And, and most uh, recently, of course, given the levels of smoke down here, we've seen meetings abandoned because it's just not healthy for anyone to be out there running around in, in such bad conditions. So that's been impressive. Um, and I think they've really, really stepped up. And the image of greyhound racing is back where it should be. And equally in my state too, it is really nice to see there's over 500 women licensed to train in this state as well. So that's um, certainly nice to see. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not here to drive racing separatism in terms of uh, sexism, but you just want a level playing field and to see women and men engaged together. And I think that makes it a really nice family sport and to see their kids come on, on board as sort of the next line of trainers or owners or breeders. And that's the future of the sport. Now, you mentioned off uh, before we were uh, recording that uh, nowadays calls in Australia, thanks to Sky and, and the net and everything, can go all over the world. Does this affect you? Do you think about that when you're calling a race? Does that affect you at all? Um, <laughs> not to start with, but I actually recently... I've had a couple of messages from some staff uh, that work for TVG in North America that was uh, very nice to receive recently, and I have worked a couple of times at Santa Anita, over the last five years, um, and I might add prior to all of these uh, dreadful deaths that they've had at the track, Mm. unfortunately, um, with Arabian racing, and I I got to meet some of the senior TVG staff there, and uh, of course, um, Amy Zimmerman, if your listeners uh, have the opportunity to Google Amy, she's actually the former producer of America's 60 Minutes, and she now heads up um, a lot of the broadcasting uh, situations for TVG and also the Fan Jewel Network. And it was very interesting that I had no idea that our little uh, straight track meeting at Hillsville one Friday morning was bouncing <laughs> off a Thursday afternoon meeting in Florida that she was taking feed for and everyone from Florida had sort of hopped on uh, on social media and said hello privately. So that was very nice. But it, it is a stark reminder that our voices are going all over the world. There is wagering all over the world and... Um, Sometimes it, it's very nice to receive messages from afar, but uh, sometimes you sort of think, uh, gosh, how did that sound? <laughs> 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 Can they understand it? Is the accent too bad or too good, or do we need to improve certain aspects of our delivery? And, of course, it's interesting, too, when you watch racing feeds from around the world, there are different producers um, that will that will guide you in a different way. And I know a lot of Australians will sort of condemn a lot of American callers for not finishing off the race with yes, a run-on, yep. so to speak. <laughs> but you've got to be fair and reasonable. And a lot of the directors in, in these foreign countries will say, one, two, three, I don't care about the rest. <laughs> and they will order their callers. To Most punters will like that too. <laughs> you know, they'll hear that in their headpieces they'll yep. go, and they'll just yeah. cut them off. So you can't sort of condemn foreign callers for not completing a run-on like we have it drilled into us here. Yeah. Um, that's just the direction that they take, and things are a little bit different afar. So uh, it's uh, all, at the end of the day, it's all for a very exciting and interesting world. Victoria Shaw, thanks very much for your time uh, and insight into your fascinating career calling races uh, around regional Victoria, and uh, all the best in 2020. Andrew, Nick, thank you very much, and to everyone in regional Queensland, lovely to be with you, and uh, all the best to you all for 2020. Thank you. It's the summer edition. It's the summer edition heard right across the Resonate Network. You can catch us on 4VL, 4SV, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country. And uh, some practice games for the Queensland Reds uh, getting underway in some regional towns across Queensland. We'll get to that shortly. But next, uh, coming up on the 1st of February, the Roma Sevens. And uh, it's time to cross to our Roma rugby correspondent, (laughs) The one, the only, the great Nick Cook. How are you this afternoon, mate? 
Yeah, good, Watsy. How are you, mate? Very well. Now, the Roma 7s, uh, growing in stature. How's it looking for this year? Mate, he's looking really good. Got a good lineup of teams coming this year, fighting out for about 20 grand in prize money this year we're handing out. Unbelievable. Oh, fantastic. We've got teams coming from all, all over the state, coming down from Billow, Central Highlands, Gympie, Harvey Bay, Noosa, Rockhampton, Brisbane, and some teams from the Downs and also a few local teams. So we've got both of a men's and a women's competition running there. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, rugby in the Central West has had a bit of a... Taken a bit of a beating over the last few years. We do have the Hewenden Sevens, uh, but uh, it's great to see uh, so much interest in rugby so widespread throughout the state. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, we, we, it's just been growing every year. The, mm-hmm. first, the first year was 2013 for the Roma Sevens, and it's just getting bigger and bigger every year. So we're now, we're now a men's and women's comp. So we've got 19 men's teams confirmed so far, and uh, 11 or 12 women's teams confirmed. So it's going to be a, um, open to anyone of these. The draw is so open that lots of prize money to be handed out. Yeah, it's certainly a time of, uh, what would you call it? Well, things are changing on the whole rugby scene with uh, the Australian team in a certain state of flux at the moment. But um, the Queensland Reds are having their first, or they had their first hit out on Friday up in Glass and had a big win against uh, the Melbourne Rebels. It's yeah, a- certainly did. They look like they're going to be strong, strong this year for Super Rugby, so... It's uh, going to be very interesting to see how they go, especially how they signed uh, Brad Thorne up for another few years mm. there too. they got some good young um, fellas in the team as well, Isaac uh, Isaac Rudder and uh, also the captain, Liam Wright, Liam Wright. a friend of the show. <laughs> uh, they've got a fair bit to build on there, Cookie. Mate, they certainly do. I think it's uh, one of the youngest uh, rosters going around in the Super Rugby, so it's going to be very interesting to see, especially with some of the old, older heads in a lot of the other teams have moved on after the Rugby World Cup year, so this year's one of the most open fields, I reckon. Yeah, you could, you could well be right. There's a big winner of the Rebels, 57-5. And next weekend, uh, the old enemy. I mean, these are all trial matches, obviously, but I think we all remember the pain of losing to uh, New South Wales regularly back in the 70s and the pain of losing to them regularly now. So uh, over in Dolby, they're taking on the Waratahs. Are you heading over at all? Yeah, I'm certainly heading over there, taking the, the wife and kids over. We're, we're going to go over there with rocking our Reds gear. Fantastic. You've got to bring the kids up in the true faith, don't you? Oh, I certainly do. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a rugby game for everyone now. So That's right. Two, two little girls, so they'll be in the rugby very soon. And, <laughs> and the little, little fella, he's not quite, not quite up to rugby yet. He's uh, only 18 months old, but he's showing... Uh, Showing some good good starts there. Nice sidestep like his father had. Yeah, I think at this stage, you just get to learn to love the ball, I think, is the first thing. Yeah, that's it. Cookie, the, probably the question on everyone's lips is, um, are, you, are you still going around, mate? Mate, it's... Uh, He's uh, had more co- comebacks than Johnny Farnham, I'll tell you that. <laughs> mate, it was a sad day last year when I hung, hung the boots up there in the sheds after we lost the... Uh, Grand final qualifier there in Roma, mate. Uh, so 30 years of playing rugby, the boots were hung up. And uh, oh, so you, you got you, new, heard it here you, first. you got a new pair in the mail for Feb first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what you oh. footy blokes are like. You just can't help yourself. Oh, mate, I think the uh, the old knee and shoulders are holding up too well these days. He used to get around like a mummy out here in the west. <laughs> hey, well, the, the, the club the club's pretty happy this year, mate. The strapping bill's going to be halved. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cookie, thanks very much for your time. Uh, anybody wishing to get more information on the Roma Seven? Obviously, uh, nominations will be closed now, but it'll all be up on the Facebook oh, page. Yeah, there's still a few nominations open. So, um, 
you should just just contact the club via the Facebook page. Just also, I'd just like to just have a big bit of a shout out to our sponsors, if that's all right. What's it? Mate, go ahead. Mate, uh, we've had Santos on board for over ten years now for the club, so they're, they're still still kicking the tin for a few, couple of grand every year. And then Origin, Wild Desert, AGL, MPC Kinetic, the Marino Regional Council, Coats Hire, Easy Equip, and Pumps and Solar. So, any wonder you're going good. There's some big hitters there. Oh, some big hitters, some big hitters in the teams too that are coming out too. So it's going to be a great day. It's going to be an open draw. Hey, Cookie, thanks very much for your time, mate. We'll catch up again before uh, the Super Rugby season. Sounds good, Watsy. Thanks, mate. It's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. It's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network, and it's all thanks to the good folk at the Australian Mung Bean Association uh, into a new year, and we're starting to think of all things rugby league, a little over 50 sleeps to the NRL, but it's a lot closer, Nick, to the Adrian Vowles Cup. Yeah, this has been a huge success, the Adrian Vowles Cup, and uh, it looks like another year, another good year on the cards. Now, one of the co-founders of the Adrian Vowles Cup, Sean Radnich, joins us from Charleville. Zorro, good afternoon. <laughs> G'day, Watchy. G'day, Nick. G'day. I'm the um, unofficial CEO, Watchy. Unofficial <laughs> CEO. <laughs> title is the, the CEO, but uh, no, it's all good, boys. We're, um, I think we're down to about 42 sleeps. They're counting down us on the <laughs> Facebook page, but yeah, mate, it's looking very, um, very good for this year. We, we look like we've added um, a few more teams. We've lost a few from the, the usuals, but we've added, we've got some more inquiries, and um, there's still room there for some more to come forward. And it's uh, it's grown in stature, hasn't it? Um, in the in the past few years, uh, tell us how it came about. Well, see, when we first started, it was back in two thousand and thirteen, um, and it was probably when I sort of coached my all the boys. I had about ten or twelve all the way through from under sixes all the way, and the fourteens it sort of fell down, and we didn't have a competition to play in. And the idea of it was with Central West and Roma was to, if we started something like this that. If we, if we had a turn at doing a round robin, hopefully they would too, and all of a sudden we'd have three weekends and we could just add to it. But So the first year, it was a bit of a... 2013 was a little bit of a non-event. Um, we only had two teams turn up, so we, we played off. We didn't actually have a game but they uh, uh, for a trophy, but the next year we had three, and I'll be honest with you, Adrian and I and Peter Arthur had a phone hook up on Wednesday night and we, we say to ourselves every time I've got no idea how we pull this off but <laughs> last year we, we sort of rolled through to uh, I think it was about 216 we got to about 12 and I think we hit 20 in 217 218 two, might have been 20 and then all, last year we had 26 so yeah. mate, it's bloody awesome it's um it's just something that it's really we're just trying to showcase our lifestyle what our kids go through and yeah. Um, those city people have really taken to it and they enjoy the format. And Yeah, the camaraderie is probably the best thing. So, yeah, mate, I can't explain it, but it's just great. And, and the kids remember it too, don't they? And I remember talking to Kirk Capewell um, when the Origin team um, came to Charleville last year and he have a look out over the uh, over the field and he just he had a laugh. He said there was a lot more bindies on it when I played <laughs> on there. But, but it's the grassroots footy, Zorro, and it's what they always remember. You can always go back and remember your junior footy days. Well, what's he and we? It's it's quite funny. Um, I got a message from a, a mate. Um, he sent me a photo. He 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 was in um, he was in Toowoomba and he he ran across a Redlands jersey. Um, and Tony Tony from Redlands comes out every year. Unfortunately, they, he's he's not in the rugby league system in, at Redlands. So, but he's still coming out to volunteer, which yep. is which is awesome. But mm. mate, every year they give out about thirty jerseys. And so I get this text this night with this photo of this kid in Toowoomba, this random. 
with this Redlands jersey on. So he sent it to me, <laughs> I sent it to Tony, and you sort of go, this is what grassroots footy's all about. Um, yep. and, and in saying that, Watsy, I really, the QRL have, have been right behind us. Central Division have been with us from the um, from the get-go. They've always been behind us. They helped us fund it. They, they Peter Rafter's probably our biggest asset. He does the draws. He's the QRL guy that drives around in the big van. And, yep. mate, like I say, you're right, it is grassroots footy, and, and that's what we're trying to do. So those kids will come out. Um, it's quite funny. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, mate, in the fact that, you know, when we go away to Brisbane, and we're always behind the eight ball, aren't we? But, yes. But it's really good to get these city teams out here that, um, mate, they play footy, they get to bed about midnight, we give them a pretty ordinary brekkie, and we find out how tough they are. <laughs> it was... And the Bush boys, if you're ever going to play those city teams, Redcliffe and those sort of fellas, that's what, um, you know, our fellas sort of go, geez, we're playing Redcliffe first thing in the morning, and you go, hey, listen, if you're ever going to beat them, this is the time you're going to beat them. And I don't, that, that, our Western Ringers side hasn't, we always try and, we don't rig the draw, obviously, but, um, you know, if you're ever going to get a crack, and they haven't beat them, but I'll tell you what, they've been very close, and, um, mate, that's the other good thing about it, boys is um, we only play a 15-minute game, so no matter what, the highest score the highest score that we have is probably about 30, 30 points. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that way we're not demoralising kids. That's not the idea of the carnival. It's to, it's to build confidence, not more to knock it away. So, yeah, mate, it's great. It is grassroots footy, and um, mate, we're, just, we're just glad to be a part of it. Yeah, you never know. I mean, with this you know, grassroots footy, you never know what your kids are going to go on to bigger and better things. Great to see Adrian himself is still obviously hands on the organisation promotion of the competition. He's probably one of the one of the ones that um, you know. You see these these carnivals, Nick, that are all over the country. And I've got to say, there there is only we've we've added another musketeer. There's four of us now, <laughs> um, and um, so yeah, it's it's Adrian himself and uh, Peter Rafter and. Um, we have Darren Curtis, who used to do the Channel 7 uh, weather on um, Channel 7. He's yep. moved on from there now, but he's our um, media man. And um, in saying that, we do I do have about five or six five or six um, girls in town that are helping coordinate the canteen and that sort of thing. But no, very hands-on, Nick. He organises the jerseys, the shirts, the trophies, um, that sort of thing, and mate, much appreciated. Mm. Like you say, we are only talking about last week. We had a beer at the... At the um, tool, oh, no. The Cool and Gatter um, Surf Club and we're oh, doing it tough. For, yeah, we're doing it tough, mate. <laughs> you reckon there's no money in me? There's no money in me. He's shouting. Uh, we're, we're still waiting for um, we're still waiting for that person to um, play a bit of good footy. We had some kids that have moved on, and we had we've got Redcliffe. We're very lucky. Um, the network that we have with um, Big Andrew Crawford, Stixie from he from Redcliffe. He's actually we played. Under seventeens together, he was in Cunnamulla. We were in Charvel, Adrian right. himself, and um, so he brings someone out every year. So we just wait for that one player to sort of hit the big time, and <laughs> that can be our um, that can be our claim to fame. But no, you're right, Nick. It's um, it's all about kids playing footy, and like I say, just to showcase what we've got and yeah. what our kids go through. Um, they go away, and like those those city teams are really bought in. They're using it as a um, as a bonding weekend before their season starts. So. You know, if we can contribute to that, well, happy day. And, mate, um, we were talking to Valsey before Christmas, and he reckons um, you used to have the wood over him in the 100-metre dash at school, and he's called for a rematch at halftime <laughs> in the grand final. Any truth to that rumour? Well, what's you always believe that if you're on top, stay on top. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to say that. You know, like, um, I will say I'll beat Jack Bradney up the hill at um, Kira there about five years ago, and he wanted a rematch too, but, you know... <laughs> 
you snooze, you lose, mate. You go the drill. And um, now I'll, um, mate, I reckon I could have him probably over a good 15. <laughs> After that, I reckon he's got me. He's got me covered, I reckon. But uh, no, he's a great guy, mate. He's a um, good mate of mine. Like I said, we're, we're good mates. We just sort of, um, you, can, you can go a space and don't even chat. And then all of a sudden, you just pick up from where you left off. So, mate, it's just great to have him involved. Hey, Zorro, before I let you go, mate, um, Senior League took a bit of a turn for the worst last year. Uh, how's things looking for this year, numbers-wise? Mate, um, we're still probably ticking along. We're just in the uh, progressing stages, but Cunna Muller have called their um, sign-on for next weekend. Yep. Um, Charleville Comets will do the same. We're pretty hopeful that Quilpy and Augustella are going to form. We're probably looking at, at the, we're just aiming at the stage for a, a tennis-side competition. But yes. Like there's that, we've got a good bunch of young kids here at the moment that are coming through. So I know with the Comets, we've um, we've got some boys that have just finished out of those 18s that'll move up. So we're looking pretty good, as we know. We had a great time in Longreach mm. for the um, for that carnival. We went up there in the nines when we played there in um, October. It was nice and cool. But, <laughs> mate, um, no, everything's looking pretty good. I spoke to Ethan yesterday afternoon, and um, mate, we're just sort of in that planning stage. But hopefully, mate, we're going to have those four teams back and... Um, Put a bit of credibility. We're still going to just go for that early, early competition, and um, then our players sort of move on to that Roma comp. So, yeah, mate, at this stage we're looking pretty good. Good news. Hey, Zorro, thanks for your time this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition, and all the best on the 28th and 29th of February with the Adrian Vales Cup in Charleville. And and what you and Nick appreciate you giving me a call, and mate, it's an open invitation for you boys. If you just want to come down, you're more than welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll get me boots. <laughs> it's the summer edition. It's the summer edition uh, heard right across regional Queensland on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country Nick. Mate, uh, from the stands, as you may know by now, it's, it's a segment we like to check up with people. They may not have been professionals, but uh, they do sure do have an opinion. And today we've got Keith McMahon on. Yeah, and Keithy is, uh, he loves his sport. He loves the, the Broncos, loves <laughs> racing, loves his cricket, and loves telling the yarn. How are you, Keithy? <laughs> G'day, fellas. I was wondering how you're going to introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> mate, um, first of all, we're going to start with racing and alligator blood, mate. He's got the name, he's got the looks, he's got the ability. Now, I hate doing this. I don't like trying to say he's going to be the new Winx or he's going to be the new Black Caviar. But could he be the new people's horse, mate? He got a police escort to the track for Magic <laughs> Millions last week. He's won the race and he's captured the imagination of the racing public and we need another household name. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to label him the next Winx or the next Black Caviar, do we? But I'm not not that you're trying to do that. I, I think I understand where you're trying to sort of pigeonhole him into and I think he, I think he fits the bill quite well. He's as a friend of your show, Josh Fleming, said the other day in the three-year-old, in the run of the line, he really sunk his teeth in, the, didn't he? So yeah. um, picked up $1.16 billion for his connections in winning that race and did it on his ear. I can't see a reason why he can't go on with it, boys. Um, you know, that Caulfield Guineas is a serious race. Yeah. You know, I know the Magic Millions is restricted to the Magic Millions sales, but there were some good horses in that, and he won it on his ear, I thought given the uh, little bit of drama as well, sitting in a float for a bit longer than he would have liked. Um, but to be beaten right on the peg by Super Seth, in which was an outstanding rendition of the Caulfield Guineas, I thought, I think that's a true indication of where this horse is at. Uh, the world is oyster as well. The fact that he's a gelding and he's only three-year-old, 
Yeah. There's so many races they could pick off with this horse. And look, he's only third up the other day as well. So yeah, I'm I'm on board, boys. Outside of the yeah, outside Sorry. of the Caulfield Guineas, you know, he he hasn't really been pressured in any of his races. I mean, you know, the Caulfield Guineas is probably the only time we've really had to see him stride out. And you know, Queensland's been looking for that horse that we can all get behind again. You know, we, since buffering, we haven't had that battler that we can you know follow that that gets down in those metro races and really has a go. And I think it's probably the horse that you know Queensland will get behind in the All Star Mile to try and you know push for that favouritism. And that you took the words out of my mouth there, Keithy's uh, already showing his popularity, sitting second in the votes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no shadow of a doubt. He'll be very hard to beat in that. I think that's in early March. Um, the mile at Flemington, and uh, of course the Australian Guineas is around that time as well. I think he's pretty high up in the markets in both those races. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's improved since the Caulfield Guineas as well. I mean, like you say, Max, he, he hasn't been pressured this preparation, and he's so versatile. He, he can he can lob on the bunny, or he can get back and relax and change gears. He just ticked all the boxes, doesn't he? I, I for sure Queensland's going to get behind him. I know Josh. Uh, you know, he's the number one caller in Queensland and I know he's a big fan of the horse so he's got Josh on his side as well um, I, I haven't heard anyone really speak a bad word of him, I, I did read an article recently, the armchair punter put a little knock on him saying 11-11 wasn't the quality you know, wasn't the, the best caliper that ran second to him in the three year old but, you know, he towed him up and 11-11, going pretty well this prep as well, he's no no slouch. Yeah. So that's the only tiny knock I've had on him. There, there is another question mark surrounding the horse, boys. He's untested and soft and heavy going at the moment. Um, yeah, we'll soon find out. I'm sure whether he can handle that. I don't have, I don't have any really worries about him getting through the ground. Do you guys? No, not not overly. I think I think he he looks a real versed horse. Anyway, Keithy, on to the Brisbane Broncos and. Uh they were pretty ordinary in 2019, always a side with huge expectations. Uh, Seabolt, it's a real do-or-die year for him. What's the feel around Brisbane at the moment? Yeah, it's a pretty good feel, actually. Um, yeah, there's a real sense of anticipation about this year. Look, there's no doubt the Broncos need a premiership yesterday, <laughs> and they've rolled the dice somewhat with young uh, Bodie Croft there. Um, a lot rests on his shoulders, obviously. I mean, he's somewhat of a quick fix. But quick fix they probably had to make. I mean, you look how many halves they had to use last year. That's where the problem lay all last year, wasn't it? With just they couldn't keep a halfback on the paddock. Well, I heard Shane Perry was back in training. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, they pull him out of the bar today. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, look, he won a premiership. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> As a positive. <laughs> so, you know, he's done, he's done more than the last few halves in Brisbane. So, yeah, no, it's, all, it's, it's a good sense of anticipation. I mean, obviously a very good quality forward pack. And, you know, my son plays seven and it's it's blatantly obvious you need a good forward pack if you're going to go well at seven. Uh, so he's obviously going to be magical running behind that uh, forward pack wow, myself. Yeah. Um, I heard Darius Boyd won the team's fitness test the other day too. Boyd, did you hear about that? <laughs> Good thing he won something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, look, I read into it and I think, well, fitness is one of those things. It's a, it's a pointer towards effort, isn't it? And yeah, that might have been a, 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 something that was letting him down a bit last year in areas, his effort. So I 
gives me some um, confidence that he's putting in there. I'd, I'd suggest he probably starts on the wing because Jack Bird's uh, back and he's probably going to start in the centres. Whether he can stay fit for more than two or three games in a row remains to be seen, but uh, Jermaine Asako goes back to fullback, and I reckon he's a gun, that bloke. He had an outstanding world nines, and I'd love to see him at fullback. I think he's a future star, Jermaine Asako. And obviously, uh, if Brodie Croft can direct them around the paddock, then Milford might start to shine. Look, he's only 25 years of age, Milford. He's still got some good football in him. I just think he needs that seven in, inside him, directing directing him around the park. Um, I'm not really staying, saying anything that's not sort of common knowledge, I guess, but uh, there's a pretty good feel if they're bet, bet, betting around $19 to win the premiership. Sure. I don't think. Yeah, yep. a little spec, maybe. Um <laughs> Right, speaking what of the, do you boys reckon? Well, the, speaking of the glorious uncertainty of sport, though, the uh, Brisbane Heat, they're uh, certainly running hot and cold, you might say, this season. Yeah, the moment you think that they're getting a bit of momentum and they might be good things, <laughs> uh, they get knocked off. They went down to Adelaide and were woeful, to be brutally honest, on Friday. Uh, yeah, they're a good team when they can get going, but the moment the pressure's on, they worry me. I sort of team that could knock off anyone on their day but mm. I just wonder whether they might have to string what three good games in a row together to take out the, the <laughs> yeah. title and I just don't know if they've got three good games in a row in them. Um, so much weight probably rests on AB's shoulders now because you know Renshaw's probably found his form but we just need that consistency in that batting lineup. we can't just keep relying on uh, you know to build an innings around Renshaw and Linda Fire. Yeah well said Maxie I think Renshaw's playing really well he's an underrated player he's He's really going in the right direction, and I hope he continues on with it. Um, and I just think people are starting to notice him now as well. Um, I, know, I know, obviously, he's had a run on the Australian side, but um, it just feels like there's a bit of groundswell around him at the moment. And um, I'm a big fan of Renshaw's, actually, so I'd, I'd like to see him go on with the job. Wasn't, uh, there, it, boys. wasn't it good to wake up on uh, Wednesday morning, Keith? We, we all went to bed uh, Thursday morning, sorry, and we kept one eye on the score in the subcontinent, and the Aussies looked in a pretty good position. But did you think you'd wake up with that scoreline? And it's a great start to the one-day series over there in the subcontinent. Oh, mate. I, was, I mean, obviously, I checked my phone in bed before I get out of bed, and, geez, I, geez, I sprung out of bed that morning. <laughs> I love beating the Indians in India. <laughs> and, and, and to beat them by 10 wickets too, you know? Yeah, um, I can't wait for the second game. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, there's lots of good and bad memories over there, and the one that comes to mind is always the, the Steve War enforcing the follow-on. I think it's the last time there's ever a follow-on <laughs> in Test cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I know. Who was it, Dravid and VVS Lakshman, both with triple centuries? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a... It, the last frontier in here, yeah. isn't it? Um, <laughs> although, you know, we end up coming... We were down 2-0 last year and we end up beating them 3-2 in the um, one day as last year, yeah. um, which started the actual run in Asia, which is now up to nine. They're mm. going for ten in a row if they can win game two. And um, only two countries have done that before. The West Indies did it in the early 80s and South Africa did it. I think it was about 1996 South Africa did that. And even those great Australian sides of um, 1999, 2003, they could only manage seven in a row yep. in Asia in one-day international. So it's quite a feat. They're, they're looking really good, the Australian side at the moment, aren't they? There's good competition to get into the side when you've got blokes like Stoinis and Maxwell, uh, Mitchell Marsh is belting them in the big bash and they can't get a run yep. um, in the 50-over side. I think that 
that's good for Australia. And then throw into the mix the actual players already in the team, Steve Smith, Blavishane, and uh, who's the other bloke, Davey Warner. Well, it sort of feels like there's a bit of competition between those three to get, get the accolades for the, the man scoring the most runs in the actual side as well. So they're really driven at the moment, the Australians. No, it's it's been uh, it's been a really good summer of cricket, Keith. Uh, about to sign out, and thanks very much for your time. But one of your other hobbies is writing. You love to spin a yarn uh, on the back of a keyboard. Tell us a bit about that passion. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do like writing. Thanks, yeah, thanks for that. What's I'm actually uh, <laughs> I'm actually writing a book at the moment called Soldier Boy. Uh, I'll give it a little push. Um, it's about uh, basically relationships and a group of people growing up on Nudgee Beach, which is a small community near Brisbane. And uh, there's a battler in it. And, um, yeah, he's got a couple of battler racehorses there. And anyway, one of the horses is called Soldier Boy. And there's a little kid down the road who befriends the old man. And anyway, they're going to basically, a bit cliche, but they're going to take this racehorse through the grades. And hopefully we can... Um, Shed a tear and have a laugh along the way, boys. Good, good to see you. And uh, you can catch some of Keith's handiwork on the Bushy Bard on Facebook. Thanks, mate, for your time this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition. Yeah, no, pleasure, boys. Thanks for having me. It's the summer edition heard across the Resonate Network, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. That's been the summer edition for this week, the 18th day of January 2020, heard right across regional Queensland, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Big thanks to Darcy Gardner from the Brisbane Lions, Dan Russell from the North Queensland Cowboys, Carl Rackman, Emma Bell, Victoria Shaw, uh, Nick Cook talking about the Roma Sevens, Shawnee Radnich, Zorro talking about the Adrian Vowles Cup, and don't forget Keith McMahon, who was up in the stands giving us all things racing, football, and cricket. But it's time for Parco's Probe. And Parco's Probe, we've got to get some team music for this. And, you know, obviously when you think of a probe, it can be unpleasant. This is going to hopefully be a bit of pleasant, uh, pleasant listening for all those people tuned in. Now, boys, I was in China. Um, I only got back on Tuesday, and while I was over there, I bought some great, some great goods. But obviously, in China, you can't always tell that everything's real. Um, I did buy a LeBron James jersey, but it was LeBron Jim's on the back. So, <laughs> um, fake gear over there. I thought, well, let's put this in a sporting context. There's lots of news. There's been lots of news over the off season. There is no off season in sport. Let's be honest. What has been the biggest fake news story of the early 2020 year? Oh, easy for me. Um, Wayne Bennett has got a reputation as a straight talker, which he's managed to maintain, even though he clearly isn't. And uh, his utter, outright, 100% denial that South Sydney wanted Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, we've got all the back. Oh, we've got all the backs we need. You know, he, that whole, it was a whole, like, it, he couldn't have denied it more. It wasn't like playing coy with the media. It was an outright lie. And I realise that's all part of uh, negotiation. But on the other hand, as I say, you can uh, deny things without being that direct. And it was a direct lie. A fake, fake news story for me is more fake markets, fake betting markets, and the Brisbane Heaters' favourites for the BBL. <laughs> now, I fell into the trap because idiots and their money are uh, easily yeah. parted. We know yeah. this. But, oh, geez, we talk rocks and diamonds, and I feel... That we need another way to describe the heat. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, They're not hot, are they? No, but, you know, like when Lynn's on form, like the, the shining light for me for this Brisbane heat summer has been Matt Renshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he yeah. will be in the test side. 
in the next 12 months. Good call. Um, and he will go on to be one of the Australian greats. That was my fake news story just then. <laughs> hey, Scott, uh, what about you? Well, you've both kind of stolen my ideas. It's the Brisbane Heat. I mean, they're absolutely fake. I mean, every year... They promise so much and do this so little. They should be called the Brisbane Lukewarms, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I think when your captain is as enigmatic as Lynn, I think that's your problem right there. You need something more consistent. Maybe Renshaw's a better captain. Because Chris Lynn, I mean, he, I think he's too much of an individual. Um, right, more I'd of agree team, with that. A team player. Um, and then with the Rabbitohs, I mean, the big word for them is culture. I mean, yeah, it's great to put all these players into your team. Like, it's almost like a fantasy team that they're building over there. I mean, um, you know, Latrell Mitchell's available. Let's take him. Jaira's available. Let's take him. But what does it do to your current roster? I mean, there's a couple of guys who get pushed on. Dane mm. Gagai, um, who I think, you know, committed to the South for long term, he'll get shown the door. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what it does for their on-field success. Yeah, it's great for memberships, but I think the Rabbitohs has been a genuine... Premiership chance. I think it's fake news. The Roosters have probably one of the best cultures in the NRL, and they didn't want to sign the bloke. So I think that tells you all you need to know about Latrell Mitchell, and I'll be really interested to see what happens. Just, South Sydney, out of the eight, you heard it here first. Just a quick quick one on the Broncos, Parco. Um, what's the vibe? We, we spoke to Keith McMahon uh, in From the Stands. He said the vibe's positive um, in Brisbane. Probably the only query that's the same one on everyone's lips, was Brody Croft a quick fix to a big problem? Oh, see, I don't think so. I think Anthony Seabold's come out. He he really likes Brody Croft. He's had a bit of experience with Brody Croft before. I think he's played, you know, not played with him, but he's had, had him in his under-20 system or something like that. There's some connection there. And I think all the signs are positive. The Broncos have put a lot of things on social media, uh, positive things. Um, I just watched the video last night where Anthony Seabold took... You know, took the fans behind the scenes on preseason. Um, I mean, you got to remember Jack Bird's there as well. I mean, he hasn't been very good. Um, had a bad luck with injuries the last two years. Before that, he was outstanding. He was an Australian, New South Wales player. He's there. Um, they signed a young fullback, Jesse Arthurs, from the Titans. Um, I think watch out for him. Um, but I think the less the Broncos have spoken about, the better things will be. And I think last season was written off before it started with the Seabold Bennett yeah. swap. But I don't think there's been as much news out of Brisbane, which I think is a good thing. Um, so as long as we stay out of the headlines, stay out of the news, stay out of the gossip columns, I think the things will be positive on the field. Let the on-field do the talking as opposed to the off-field. Scott, great to hear your dulcet tones again, mate, and it'll be great to see your pretty face back in the studio here for the summer <laughs> edition next week. <laughs> I can't wait to see how the rig's improved even more so over the summer. Oh, break. the rig needs some work, mate. Nick Backstrom, always good thing. A big thanks to uh, all your efforts this week. Oh, thank you, mate. It's been a, it's, it's been a tough one. Show it's come together a treat. It always does. And it, it is the summer edition. What's he signing out? Until next week. And the summer edition is brought to you by the good folk at the Australian Mung Bean Association. Have a great week.